If you go to a pub in Ireland, you have to have a song. And if you don't have a song, you may as well not go to a pub at all. I've changed the Murray, by the way. So if anybody wants to buy me a Murray, well, I'd say Peroni as well. Good evening. Four Blades in a pub here, and um, things don't seem to have improved much at all. It was fantastic to speak to Jamie Hoyland last week, and we absolutely loved the experience. We thank those of you who've listened to it because the feedback's been phenomenal. And all being well, we might have a few more pods of that ilk in the pipeline. But tonight, I'm as always joined by Dan. Evening, everyone. Phil. Good evening. And Ian. And I'm obviously John, and what we're going to do is we're going to look at the game from the weekend in a slightly different way, and we're all going to propose a question around the game. We don't want to pull the bones out of it too much and go into depth, because we'll just get depressed. Um, And then we've got some questions from you lovely listeners. So I'm going to start. We've all got a big question for the group. Um, I thought about this quite a bit, how to phrase it, but I'm going to start with Ollie McBurney. Discuss. Where do you start? I suppose it's interesting for you to ask that, John, because you're a big Ollie McBurney, Ollie McBurney advocate, aren't you? Um, I don't know. I, I actually don't think his all-round game was that bad on on the weekend. He just can't buy a goal, and I don't know. It's strange. We can't keep we can't keep carrying his presence if he's not contributing to goals. I don't think. I I personally don't think he's good enough. I, I don't think he's a Premier League striker. Can't. It's hard to argue with it. To be fair. Yep. I just I, I don't see what I don't see what he don't see what he offers. He, he doesn't he doesn't score enough to obviously you know to, to be a. a, a regular threat not particularly skillful not particularly quick yes he's okay in the air but he's not a he's not a Duncan Ferguson who will absolutely beast the centre half um, I'm struggling to see what what we got for our 20 million quid to be honest I think for me Kevin Gage put a tweet out in reply to Blaze Analytics sharing some of McBurney's game and the chances and on the the one that hit the bar, he just put twenty million pounds at one 0 down. He has to score. Simple as. Clean through on. He's clean through FFS. His third touch takes it onto his weaker foot, and even then, he needs to shoot across the far post, the bigger target. You know, must do. The better. only thing I disagree with Kevin, I'm far from far am I to into disagree with Kevin Gage as to how to kick a football because he did it and got paid for it, and I never did. But I think if I think he did the right thing in trying to lift it over the goalkeeper close to him. If he tries to put it across the keeper with his left foot from there, he's more likely to drag it wide because the ball will bend. Mm. I, think, I think if we're, if we're analysing where the striker puts the chance that it's the bar, and if he should have put it elsewhere, I think we're getting into the minutiae of like, tra- like yeah. he's hit the target. I, and he should he's missed by an inch. He's, he's yeah. missed a goal by an inch. Because if it's an inch lower, it goes in. So, and everyone's like, "Wow!" But the fact is, he missed. The fact is, he missed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In, fact, in the first half, I think some of his play was very good. Again, when the ball got to him, and I thought he, as a team, we looked a bit better 
offensively when the responsibility didn't solely lie with the left and right backs to get the ball in the box with Fleck on the left and Norwood on the right, who both made a big difference for me in how good we looked, not that we were sparkling, but being able to get a few more balls into the box. My big take on McBurney is I feel out of the strikers we've got, he needs to be in the team still, but he's the the plank he's edging towards the edge of he's edging towards the the water if he's on the plank he's there's only so many more chances because like you say Phil he looks devoid of confidence and I genuinely also don't think going away for two weeks and be called every name under the sun by them lot north at border who entitled to the opinions he's going to be good for anyone's but he's getting that from a lot of United fans as well, John. And that's the thing at the minute. You know, he, he's devoid of confidence. He's copying pelters. And we kind of touched on this with Jamie last week. You know, you know, imagine if, you know, in that Bassett era at that time, we were on social media and they were reading some of the stuff that our players may well see. Some of them won't shrug it off. But if he's got this persona of, that he puts out there of this, of this, as a cockiness, as an arrogance, as a, a general persona, then he's also got to take what comes with putting that out there. And, and riling people up. So for me, it, 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 he's one of those players. Whereas I don't think Ramsdale does. And I think you know you've got to look at how we, you know some of our fan base treats the players. But at the minute, that's not that's not advocating he should get the stick he gets. By the way, but it's just saying that you know if you're gonna if you're gonna create this persona, you're gonna attract some of that other side that comes with it. But for me, he did some good things. You know, the chance first half with a header was a difficult chance, and he, he forced the keeper into a save. You know that you know get it on target, give the keeper something to do. But equally, he's had easier chances he's missing. And I think when we saw the best bits of him last season, you're right, Danny doesn't terrorise a defender like Duncan Ferguson. But actually, when he's on it and he's chasing defenders down, Harry, we're not doing that pressing from the front. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say that, that's missing this season completely. And Which that, is... allied to a lack of goals, is part of, his, part of the problem he's got at the minute. Which you, you, could, all, you could also... Highlight the goal we conceded on uh, on Sunday as that reason. You know, we we, we put ourselves in trouble. We're up just over the halfway line. We go back 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 in four passes. We put Ramsdale in a position where he's got to clear it on his weaker foot. He just he just needs to get a connection and get it up to the halfway line. And McBurney's well, the centre half basically strolls forward, controls it, and plays it into midfield. There's no challenge on him. There's not there's not there's no pressure on him. He's got to. As a forward, he's got to do better in that position. But Danny was—he wasn't right next to it, was he? It wasn't, but he was. There was no intensity to right. I can see where that's going. I'm going to bust a gut to get there. Sure. It was a kind of—he kind of ambled towards it. I'm not. And that wasn't. That. that wasn't just McBurney, by the way. That no, was... but but that was where the the ball's lobbed to the halfway line. It's up to him and whoever's up there with him. Yeah, that's what I mean by it wasn't just McBurney. Yeah, yeah. Can no, can no in, uh, in quicksand. On edge of box when he lines yeah. up to shoot. Yeah, but, um, but, the, goal, but, the goal is what it is. I think that again, it's another one where we've had a bit of luck go against us with the tackle from was it Baldock or Basham that rolled straight to Haller. Hmm. Haller's never scored a goal from outside the box in his career. He it just tells it well. you that. It, oh yeah, it's it, it's it really well, but it just Good tells it, yeah. you that when things are going against you, things are going against you because yeah. he's never hit a ball like that before. But. So, so much. We were so comfortable in possession and and everything else, and and 
yeah, you can point at the forwards for that, but there's so much more went wrong than just just the forwards not closing down. But yeah, that, it, it, the, the it defense wasn't, starts it, at the front, right? Yeah, it's it's a it's a general. It wasn't specifically that goal. It's a general thing. Whereas the forwards, I don't like. Like Ian said, the, that intensity and that pressing just isn't there this season. Last season, we must have been awful to play against. Hmm. This season, I think we I think we I think we're probably lovely to play against this season. Yeah, soft touch. So is he, yeah. is he starting against West Brom on Saturday, Ian? My gut says he will. My head says actually, and, and, I, and I can't and I, I can't see this happening. I'd start Burke on Saturday up against West Brom. Dan, I think he'll probably start with. I think McBurney will probably start, and I think he'll possibly start with Brewster. I think it'll be McBurney and Brewster. That's no. what I think he'll be. Same. That's what I think, and I think that's what should happen as well. Um, yeah, the, the, other, the other side of that is McGoldrick's not influencing the game anywhere near the way he has done in the past as well. On Sunday was awful. If people are going to criticise McBurney for missing chances, at least he's having shots. <laughs> <laughs> like, McGoldrick... Um, I'm, he's the only player that scored in open play, John. Just saying. McGoldrick the other day did absolutely nothing. I mean, hopefully we've got Moose to throw into the mix on Saturday as yeah. well. I think, I think Tufty said that he. W- I don't see him starting. I don't think he'll just. I don't think he'll throw him straight in. But at least we've got the option from the bench after and, an hour or so. Absolutely, and, and, and just to finish the McBurney section, watching the uh, the goal he scored against Man U back the other because it was the anniversary of it on social media, wasn't it? The other day, everything good about us wasn't it like it that 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 goal he showed about I think it's about 90 second build up and you've got Moose tracking back to almost left back and shoulder barging someone Ender having a bit of composure knocking it round making someone cutting back all the things we were good at we're not seeing at the moment and it was like it was like wow that's a year that's only a year and it's the same players just quite it, was, it, it, it just struck a chord with me while we really are devoid of confidence yeah, I think that, that perhaps leads on to uh, one of the other questions that we talked about, does it? Yeah, well, I mean, my question was, what are we missing? Now, that, that again, that's a fairly open-ended question. Is it a bit of luck? Is it a bit more, a bit more intensity? Is it a player? What are we missing? I'll, I'll, I, can't, I can have two. I think we're missing the fans and I know that's been touched on a lot so I don't propose we go into that too much but yeah. I think even outside parties are acknowledging you know in the media and other fans are saying acknowledging that is an issue for us but we're missing Jack O'Connell we're, we're completely imbalanced and I think that affects us defensively and it affects us in an attacking sense and it's what we've alluded to before you lose O'Connell or Basham from that specific role they've got how do you replace them? And we haven't solved that conundrum. The goal one. I think teams have picked up on that earlier as well, haven't they? We've picked yeah. up that we are we're weak down that left side. Whether it's Stevens, Robinson, Low, you know, per many two from three. Hmm. Um, sorry, Ampadu as well. I think we'd all. Ampadu. I thought Ampadu did okay on Sunday though. I thought he looked he looked comfortable in that position, and I think he'll be able to get forward. I think the problem now that he's got is Low doesn't really offer him any protection or any support. Low needs to if we obviously it's not that it's not as easy that but Low needs to come out of the side for ours and his own benefit. At the moment. Yes. If the I mean if the fans were in the ground now, I think Low would be getting some 
some stick. He's it's got like, he's got a bit of, like a rabbit in the headlights. Got a bit of the Jordan Stewart's about him, in the sense of how panicked. I'm not sure he's, I'm not sure he's quite that bad. I haven't yet seen him. I haven't yet seen him try and kick the ball with one foot, kick it with the other, and fall over. Never happened twice in one half. In one half, <laughs> which he denied on under the cost, by the way. <laughs> yeah, denied when I tweeted him about it as well. I tweeted him directly about that. Never happened. Fucking did. <laughs> well, I think that. I think that's, one, that's one way to get spirits upon the pod in the feeling I wait a minute, bringing back Jordan Stewart, Jesus. Jordan yeah, Stewart. In all honesty, though, I think we'd all agree it is those two things. It is a combination of pot, your best player, which we didn't necessarily think was his best player, but he probably is. I know we were in yeah. the conversation, but you know, if we'd been asked at the start of the year, you could put forward an argument for about six or seven people. I think... There's more questions when we go to our uh, Q&A from, from Twitter. I think what, what, is, what we're missing, Dan, is consistency on the left side, and that's what you wanted to discuss, isn't it, Ian? Yeah, and I just, my, my question was, how do we solve this? Can I, just, can I just quickly go back to what we're missing? Sorry. Quick, I know, I know you've, um, you've made your point. Uh, we, the, I think we said it a couple of weeks ago. It's the fine margins that aren't going our way this season that were. So you talk about McBurney's goal last year that could have quite easily been given as handball but didn't after VAR review. He hits the bar this week. It's the post away at Brighton. Could have gone anywhere, went in the goal. This year it's come, it's come straight out. McBurney's winner in the same fixture last season. Yeah. He, yeah. he almost hits it straight at the keeper and it kind of hits the keeper and goes in. This yeah, season, exactly. I guarantee that stays out. Challenged by whoever it was, Boulder called Basham on the edge of the Basham, box. Yeah. It's a good one, and it just rolls straight to Haller, who scores, like I said earlier, the goal of his career. And the, the little things, it, it just seems to be, everything seems to be going against us at the moment. And I know you've got to make your own luck, and we can't bemoan luck all season, but it's definitely a thing. There's definitely things not going our way at the moment. <laughs> West Ham as well, have. And I think this is this is becoming really obvious um, throughout the season, and where possibly the only side who haven't improved the first eleven, and it's showing a lot in the fixtures because that is another loss to a team we had four points off last season, um, which has happened a few times already. It's at Arsenal, West Ham, Chelsea. Um, who else have we played that we were well, I'm going to say, what, what are we on points down from the corresponding fixtures last season? Obviously, taking Leeds, uh, Leeds and Fulham out of it, because obviously we didn't play them. But in terms of the points we got off teams we've played already, mm. I, bet we're about, I bet we're about 10 or 11 points down. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a bit old, isn't it? The day I've had it work, I can't add up that quickly anymore, Dan. <laughs> trying to do some mental arithmetic as you speak. Yeah, sorry to sorry to try and go on to Ian straight away there, Phil. Uh, without without you feeding him, but Ian, the left hand side. Yeah, and I just I, uh, Dan's kind of alluded to it already with the you, you, you take low out for his sake and 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 the team's sake, but the options there, you know, you probably if you assume Ender's still out, is it Ben Osborne at left back, or it might lead into one of the questions we have later: is it a complete change of formation that needs to facilitate us getting a bit more solid but you know we'll, we'll lose something in that respect I just, for me I'm torn at the minute because I think it, I feel that we need it, it may need something more fundamental 
but ultimately for Saturday, when we need three points, we're playing a team that is low on confidence as well. He's down there with us. Do we stick to what we got? And for me, put Osborne in at left back um, and put Ampadu, leave Ampadu in at that left centre, assuming that Stevens isn't fit. Assuming Ampadu's fit. Well, yeah. Does anyone, yeah. anyone have any other views on that? It would be interesting to look at who's played the left centre-half and left-back spot to start all the games throughout the season. And if we've actually, at any point, had any consistency with that, um, which doesn't help as, you know, limited footballers who play at that end of the pitch. No, you want to know who's it. You, you want to know who you're playing with and you have an understanding, don't you? Like, Have we even played the same back three twice this season? Well, this is what I'm getting at, mate. I don't know if we have. So, if we take it game by game, Wolves' first game, uh, it was Basham, Egan, O'Connell. Burnley, obviously, was a cup game, but that was Ampadu, Jackson, Robinson. We then had Basham, Egan, O'Connell again against Villa. So, in two consecutive league games, we managed For 10 to... minutes. <laughs> yep. And then it was Basham, Ampadu, Robinson, Basham, Egan, Robinson, Basham, Egan, Stevens, And that was consistent for f- four games. Fulham, Liverpool, Man City, Chelsea. But who was going in at left wing back there? Probably changed. Yeah, so we had low Osborne, low low. Uh, we had obviously Ampadu coming into the midfield uh, against City. Uh, and again, well, it shows I'm, a massive I'm, amount of inconsistencies in the in the eleven, doesn't it? Yeah, and this is this is what we've not had for basically in pretty much the entire time that Tufty's been here we, we've yeah. been a very very consistent side in terms of personnel game in game out this is the first time it's like he's scratching where we're having to chop and change he's not been helped by injuries as well but it is like he's scratching about for what he thinks is the best and um, yeah we haven't played the same 11 in back to back games no and injuries have played a massive part huh. but yeah I, th- I think everything that you said about the formation and and whether that's needing to change just to make us more solid is a, is a really valid question to ask. I don't think he'll change it. We're not. We're not. It's not like we're getting hammered week in week out, is it? No. You know, we've we've only lost. We've only conceded more than two in one game, and only lost by more than one in one game. Which for a team that have lost, we lost eight out of nine this season. Is it eight out of nine? Yeah. yeah. Eight. We're not getting hammered. If we're getting hammered week in, week out, like doing a Fulham or doing a Norwich and conceding three, fours and fives, maybe. Hmm. But That's the frustrating thing about what I said with the luck. We're just, we're, we're in every game. We're just not getting yeah. that rub of the green. Which is why I wouldn't be tempted to make some, you know, wholesale changes to the, 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 the formation and the setup. I'd be more tempted to try and play through it and try and get people into form. And, and, and I mean, I'm not a massive Ben Osborne fan. But I'd be happy to see him play left wing back on Saturday rather than low. I think he yeah, gives us more too. than low does at the minute. You know, he's, he's reasonably solid. He's decent on the ball. Get that energy and that kind of high work rate from him, which is which is possibly the sort of thing we need to drive us through this. So he would definitely come in for low on Saturday for me. That is. I mean, I've not seen low a decent cross in all the games he's played. Osborne's delivery's not not sparkling but he gave the energy and arguably the best we played this season was when he was in that position um, against Liverpool 
the spells of that game and offensively and defensively, Osborne were really good in that game. I think the way, whatever we decide to do, I'd like to see the same players in those positions for a run of games. I think the only yeah, flexibility think- in the side is up front. The, the rest of the side, I'd love to get back to knowing who's playing. That midfield three playing together, because they can only improve doing that as well. Um, and, and the back five. And I think the I back think five... I think would love it as well, though, John. I think that's the thing. As much as, as, much as it's frustrating seeing a different team week in, week out... And I think there is a bit of Wilders looking for his best eleven. I think he'd love to be able to play the same back five and, and midfield three week, week in, week out. I think it's just not been able to, has he? That's the problem. It'll help the keeper though as well. It'll massively Yeah, of course it will. Of course it will. Um but I also thought Rams Ramsdale did well on, on Sunday. A couple of decent saves, couldn't do anything with the goal. Um yeah, but I thought it looked pretty good to be honest. Couple of couple of good passes as well, actually, which you don't Really acknowledged with a keeper sometimes, but we no. played one diagonal ball full full length to. I can't remember it was too low, I think. But I have anyway. I have noticed under Wilder a lot, and it, keepers would often break with the ball on the edge of the box, up on the toes, ready to distribute quickly. And it's something I don't think over the last three four years we've done an awful lot of. Um, considering generally we do counter quite quickly and well. Um, but that tends to be from from open play, and I just think that Ramsdale showed the other day that a big big part of his game will be his distribution, and he is he is comfortable with his feet. But all in all, it was a disappointing disappointing game, wasn't it? And one of the more disappointing performances, Phil. Yeah, I'm going to ask a question about now. You thought I'd forgot you then, didn't you? Yeah, I thought you were going to move on. No, um... I've only done that to you once tonight, mate. Not again. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's a bit of a controversial question, really, and and I'm not entirely sure I know the answer myself. But it surrounds Sander Berger, and the question is: Are we a worse side with him in it? Now, the reason I ask that is statistically, it's hard to argue that we're a better side with him in it because we've lost more games than we had before he joined. However, clearly he's probably our most talented footballer, and there's other things that's causing the slump in form. But the question is. Are we a worse side with Sander Berger in it? I'll kick it off with a no. And Thanks. I'll say that. <laughs> I'll say that with a, with my picking up on what we just said about injuries. So I think he's coming into the team at a time when he hasn't had a consistent team around him and form has fluctuated a bit across the whole team. And I think, yes, he doesn't... We, we talk about what we miss is a kind of... Lundstrom breaking into the box is, is, a, is something Lundstrom brings. Berger doesn't necessarily bring that, but I would hope he would add something more creatively. And actually getting flight back on the other side gives us someone who can break into the box. And Berger, we might see better from Berger as a result of that. So I would say, yes, we are a better side with him in it, assuming we can field a reasonably consistent 10 players alongside him. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I, like you said, the statistics probably back up that we're not because we've probably lost more than we've won since he's since he's actually come to the club. But I'd agree with Ian. I think if if you put the Sander if you put Sander Berger now into this team at the beginning of last season, I think he would look a hell of a lot better than he does now. If you know what I mean, in, in a team that's flowing and full of confidence and everyone knows what they're doing and you're getting a consistent. Um, 
11 week in, week out. I think he's, he's been unfortunate that he's come in, taking a bit of time to settle. And then since, and then, then we had the lockdown, came back, form was in and out the whole time. And then obviously we've, we've hit this, this rocky patch now. So I think it's probably more coincidence that we've tailed off since he's come rather than anything to do. I, think, I, I, get the, I get the question, but no, I think we're a better side of him. I think the question's right to be asked, Phil. Uh, I think it's quite apt that we're approaching Black Friday as well, where people buy things they don't need. And the way you could look at um, Burger is that we bought a football that we didn't need, but I totally disagree with that and say that the best time to strengthen your football club is when they're at the best and you bring further quality to add what you've got. We had the opportunity to sign one of the most exciting young players in Europe and he came to Little Old Sheffield United. I think what maybe happened with that was an expectation about the sort of player we bought. You bet our fans expect a 20-odd million pound midfielder to be free scoring, you know, running games and things like that. Berger isn't that player. He might one day be somebody who runs games, he probably will add more goals to his game as he gets older and he just knows when to pick his runs. The way he glides past top-level footballers, he did it against City a few times, he did it in the Liverpool game, he is very much our best player and, of course, he needs to be in the team. And lots of things have just gone against him. And I just I would, I would predict that if we were to survive in the division this season, it'd be largely because of his performances. Fair. Everything you said is totally fair. And I'm going to keep him past January. Yeah, with Arsenal looming, if everything's to be believed. I, I, must, I must say as well, by the way, I don't think we're, we're a worse side, but I just think it's a question that's worth posting. And everything, that you've, said, everything that you've said for why we're not a worse side is, is bang on. I think he's been unfortunate. The circumstances are clear for all to see, but it's just, I, th- I think, John, you kind of talked about it there. If we manage to stay in the division, he will still hopefully be at Bramall Lane next season when we eventually get to go back and watch our, our team. And, and it'd be a real shame that if we if we don't really get the chance to see him properly yeah. as, as fans, it'd be a real shame. So I guess with summing that up, I think that probably finishes this this sort of section about our questions about the game. We'll have a little break and then get on to the questions that we posted that have been posted on Twitter this week. Welcome back to part two. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, we've got some uh, questions coming in on Twitter. So uh, on Saturday evening, we put out after the game about our identity. Great question Dan mentioned last week. Uh, someone, Sean Salmon, got in touch. I can actually predict where a move will end up. So if I can, the coaches and the Prem certainly can. Something drastic needs to happen. Will be down by Jan at this rate. Flake played well, by the way. One positive at least. I think that's fair enough to recognise Flake's performance. He obviously ran out of steam on Saturday, but he, he was very good. Uh, some other people suggesting that we should have McGoldick up with Brewster and Burke and Moose off the bench, a change of formation. 
Floody at Flood83 said, never mind what our identity is, what have we spent 100 million on? Not improved the first 11, apart from Berger. Have we made a good signing? Short at centre-half and poor in midfield. Recruitment's in promotion, not good enough, and it's starting to catch up with us. I think that is an interesting take about the recruitment since promotion catching up with us, but I disagree that we've not made a number of good signings because I think there's been some good players coming to the football club. I think the problem with the signings is the fact that we haven't, on the surface, haven't improved the first team. And that's what's important. The starting 11. Notwithstanding the point we made on Berger earlier, I think the challenge is, you know, reflecting back on what we had when we came up, you know, is McBurney in at that point? Would that have been seen as a you know an improvement on what we've got? The fact he's not performing at the level we, we want and hope and expect put, puts a different slant on that, I guess. So that's that's probably one argument against you know, and we've not improved. I think on paper, did we, did, did we get not carried away? Carried away is probably the wrong word, but did we overestimate our success last season? So rather than thinking. Yes, we've done well, but the first eleven still need strengthening. Did we, did we overestimate how well we'd done? I'm talking about Tufty and the entire coaching staff, the recruitment team, and think we were in a position to bolster the squad rather than the first eleven. Was, was there a bit of misjudgment in there about? What I suspect Tufty wanted to strengthen the first team, but hasn't had the backing to do it. Because actually, if you're going to bolster that first team, you've got to spend more than the money we spent. What still seems strange to me is our first choice when the season finished, going into the pre-season and the transfer window opening was John Swift. And yeah. we didn't get him for whatever reason. It wasn't a lot of money we were talking about at the time, but it seemed like Reading didn't want to let him go and, and just put a block on it. We haven't mentioned anybody else that plays that role at all. No. So why, why no. A, were we A, looking for him in the first place? Why were we looking for that kind of player? And then B... Did we just abandon that idea or could we not find anybody else that could match that kind of role for that fee? Yeah. Well, I don't know. It seems strange to me that. I think, it be, I think it might have been a case that it became more and more obvious as COVID unravelled that fans weren't going to get back in and revenue streams were going to be a lot different this season. I think that's the only explanation to not buying more players because I, I failed to see the logic in two full-back signings if that wasn't going to be followed up with that left-hand side of centre-half and that attacking midfielder that we so desperately need. It's interesting. I think, I think to throw a cloth over it and say all the signings have been bad, in terms of what we paid for him and the Premier League goals he scored, Moussa has been good. Okay, I don't think people would complain about McBurney at the start of the year. Yeah, we've missed the boat on Luke Freeman a little bit, you'd argue. But when we brought Luke Freeman into the club, everyone presumed he'd be finally the upgrade on Duffy that we'd been searching for through however many sort of pretenders before that. Same with Robinson, no one complained. We're all delighted with Brewster. And before we, and before we saw it, we were glad to get Ramsdale, England under-21 goalkeeper, signing him permanently. Like, I, for one, still am on that one, by the way. I think I, I I think that is an interesting question and I don't know if recruitment is catching up with us. I think our recruitment and the quality of players we have in depth compared to a club who's maybe yo-yoed in and out of the Premier League or indeed splashed a bit more cash in the Championship is maybe showing. 
if if funds are tight or not sorry not tight but if funds are limited do we not need to expand the the, the pool we're fishing in to to the foreign market have we exhausted all the touched on that this week hasn't it Mm. Yeah, because I mean, you know, we've we've bought what, what are essentially top end championship players. So we've bought, we, we, we've tried to pull most of the kind of creme de la creme from the championship. So McBurney, Freeman, Robinson, these were all top end championship performers. You could all, you could say that all three of them have done somewhere between poorly and okay. Obviously, Villa had to spend thirty odd million to get Watkins. Would we have got better value for money buying spending that money on on a player from? You know, from a, from a foreign league. Well, take Cooley Bally, who we signed, and we've sent him. Obviously, there's a work permit challenge there, I think, which is why he's gone to Beer Shop, our our sister club, or whatever you want to call it, uh, under the Prince in yeah. Belgium. They're second in the Belgian top division at the minute, and he's scoring a couple of goals, having a positive influence on the game. You know, I don't know if we can get him through there for three years, ostensibly, but that might change, I guess. If, Potentially with Brexit, I think he's three years away from getting a work permit. Isn't he? I think that's yeah, the... but, but but whether that changes with yeah. where we end up in the next six months, who knows? But you know, we've, whether that was a, a fishing in a, in that market and finding him in, and taking that route uh, is a view to a, a longer term plan. That's what other Premier League clubs have done in the past, isn't it? About putting players, you know, African players into Belgium, into into France. I think where they can kind of accelerate through. I do find him a nice Yorkshire last to me. <laughs> I do think, though, like, like maybe if we were to highlight an area to criticise Wilder, it would be recruitment. But I think to say that all recruitment is promotion as being bad is a little harsh. I think we'd all agree on that. But- uh, do you know what? I actually think it's a really interesting question. If we were to go back over the four and a half years that he's been managing now, Chris Wilder, I actually think he's probably had more failures than successes in terms of the number of signings he's made. It's just those that have been successful have been outstandingly successful. Like yeah. O'Connell, Duffy, players of that ilk. Egan. Egan Baldock, yeah, Stevens. But we've had a lot that haven't worked, a lot. Loan <laughs> signings in particular. Nicky yeah. Holmes, Lee Evans. Um, but anyway, I think there's a lot of questions here and I think it would be nice if a few more people get a shout out. Um, and this is an interesting one to your your thing, Phil, that you put out. Well, we put out. Sorry, in relation to Dan's comment, and somebody, Lee Richardson, said, "I think we have one of the most unique identities in the history of the club. While the book grit, steel, and overlapping centre backs, that's not an identity. I'm not sure what is. Bring the back, fans back in its different ball game. That's our identity. I don't think what Dan said." was saying that we don't have an identity in the strictest sense and all those things that Lee Richardson there say. I think it's the current... The current I, think what, I think where Lee's missed the point is that was our identity last year. And what Dan yeah. was asking is, yeah. right now, what's our identity? Because yeah. you don't recognise... You wouldn't recognise that right now. No. I was struggling to get that out. Uh, James Clark, not sure if you've recorded your pod yet. Pod yet. Would you... Uh, Good to get your thoughts on the fact we haven't scored a goal from open playing 6 0 matches. Do you think it would have been considerably different if fans were allowed in or not? I do think we're all agreeing. We touched on it earlier that the sooner we get some fans in Bama Lane would really, really help us. If it, just for our um, just for his own sake. And we've got a quite comical one here from 
Guanajuato. Would Keith Edwards score if he ever actually played in the top tier? Just a reminder that he did this. He did his scoring when in the fourth division of Scotland. Hashtag could be worse. I'm not... I mean, uh, go on, you guys answer that. You, you saw more of Keith Edwards than me. I've got to be careful because he was my childhood hero and he he, he wasn't... There's a, you could argue there's a reason why he never played in the top tier and you could put that down to work rate and other things. But ultimately, he was a finisher. you know. And, and what we'd do for a finisher if we could put a decent ball in the box right now. So, uh, yeah, you can always say there's, there's reasons why players like that play outside of the top tier. But it still shouldn't... I, I feel that kind of diminishes what he did for us, really, that kind of comment. But anyway, that's just my take. I'd love to know what the stats of his goals were, though. Because, yeah, he scored goals in, in Scotland, but he weren't there that long, was he? No, he was Aberdeen towards the end of his career. And he, he, all right, he played for us in, in the old Division 4 for one season. Yeah. He scored a lot of goals in what's now the Championship, didn't he? Yeah. 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 It's possible. It's possible. Sometimes the difference between a, a player who can do it in the bottom three divisions if you like as opposed to the top division is just something like an extra just an extra yard of pace or something like that or just a bit of something but I would I wouldn't say he would, he would have been prolific in the top division but I would have I would have backed him to get goals if he'd have played in the top division I mean at the end of the day he scored an average of just under one every two games yeah. you know across yeah divisions well, Championship League One, League Two equivalents, and probably spent a couple of seasons in that bottom tier with us and with Hull. Uh, Score a goal that Pele tried and couldn't do. Yeah, let the ball run across. What dummy to keep up? Dummy keep... that touching the uh, that touching the ball. I think it was Port Vale. That I think could be wrong. I got it in mind. It was Gillingham. Yeah, it might be. Yeah, it was. Yeah, you could be right. I'm trying to think back, but. Yeah, I mean, it's one of these. Yeah, I, I just, yes, I'm, not, I'm not sure why why we. I'm a bit shocked by the argument that we try and sully what he's done for us. To yeah, he, he's paid to. Com- I wonder if it's coming from the fact he's paid to comment on it now and and, and can be quite critical. Yeah, it's funny. Isn't it? I don't listen to Radio Sheffield at all. He always says hello at Parkland, though, Phil, doesn't he? Yeah, if we see him, yeah, hobbling along. <laughs> uh, Ian McSheffield, due to currently. Not currently having three fit centre-halves. Unfortunately, I think we do. We're just not good enough. The Premier League quality, should we... Oh, he's answered that bit. We should go, should we go to a back four and two sitters in midfield, Norwood and Ampadu, Berger on the right and Fleck on the left. I think we could explore the formation. I'm not sure putting your best two central midfielders on either wing is the way to do that. Um, but we, we don't have the personnel. I don't think we've got the personnel to play a back four. Sorry, we, yes, we have the personnel to play a back four, so we have full backs and centre halves. But then that means your width has got to cut, you've got to get extra width from wide players. And other than Burke, whose career has been bang average as a, as a winger, we don't have any wide players at the club. We don't have anyone that you could stick, you could say could play left wing with any confidence, and the same really for the right wing. But I don't think, I think the, the club's that shaped to the, the current system. I don't think we've got the personnel to go to a proper back four. Yeah, I think it, I think it has to be explored if the run continues. But I agree, Dan. You you, you lose your width, and unfortunately, what it would result in playing a back four potentially. And I've been thinking about this a lot. Is just more long ball because the the, the full backs would get isolated, and they they would feel the pressure to get it forward, and they would end up hitting it long into channels, and then. 
Yeah. I think you know if, uh, if we were effective as a long ball side, I could live with long ball. Most the majority of my time watching United play, and some of the best times watching United play have been when we've been a long ball side. And if we're effective at it, I've got no problem. But we caught up with the we caught up with the ball at pace, and that's what we're not doing at the minute. We, exactly. we're a very very one paced side. Well, we saw that in the goal, and I'm not going to go back too much to Sunday. But you know, let's bear in mind that this whole thing came from the fact that we had an opportunity to counter and nobody broke with any pace supporting Berger and from there we went back to Ramsdale the kick out and everything that followed so yeah I think without pace in the side it limits us now Moose brings a bit of that but that's one player Brewster yeah, might I, I suppose that. That, that, is, that is something to consider though like you say Moose is fit now Burke's back in, in the squad mm. maybe we have got that pace in the squad we're just not we haven't had it with Moose being out and, and we're not utilising it with Burke. I don't know. It's a, yeah. it's a challenge, isn't it? it but I think it goes back to the, the point earlier. Wholesale changes right now still feel like probably the wrong thing to do. And I think I think it's interesting because I think what we're talking about leads into the next question, doesn't it, John, from James Healy? Yeah, James Healy, friend of the pod. Uh, look forward to being on Picard's tour with you again soon, mate, and uh, enjoying a couple of pre-match beers. Actually had a chat with him at half-time in the last away game, Reading, where he'd not actually watched much of the match. I think he'd been uh, getting refreshed with friend of the pod, Ed, below uh, during the first half. But um, he's asked a very decent question. Who's going to be the main player to drag us out of this? Could it be moved with his pace? A fully fit John Flake? Stevens returned into last season's form. Talked here about thinking Robinson's the best player to play at left centre-back. Not so sure on the Robinson shout, but I think if we are to get out of this, we need Stevens, Moose and Fleck to not only play as well as they did last season, but to play beyond that. I don't know what you think, Phil. And I think I think it's it's a really good question, actually. What is going to be the, the trigger that, that drags us out of it? And I think you've you've got to rely a little bit on Fleck coming back and driving us forward, because I think he did it in flashes on, on Sunday. Moose coming back for us is huge. Uh, he, he was arguably for a period of time our best player last year and if he can rediscover some of that then alright we've got to get the ball to him in, in places that make that's going to hurt the opposition but if he can rediscover some of that form I think I still think we'll be alright I think it's the unpredictability oh I can't even say it the unpredictability that Moose brings we he don't know what he's going to do sometimes yeah, he don't know what he's doing we don't know what he's going to do and we haven't got any of that we just haven't got that something that will put put a defender on the back foot enough and I think Moose well I'll, I'll let let Dan finish off on Moose do, do you know what actually <laughs> I, you, may be, you may be surprised at this but of the two I think Fleck is possibly the more important of the two as much as I as much as I love Moose uh, I think Fleck is the one that's more likely to, to kind of drag us out of this <laughs> Sorry, I thought Ian was just about to take his trousers down while he was talking. I'm sorry, I was just sorting my t-shirt out and <laughs> draft on me back. Anyway, it's good to have Fleck. Yeah, back, I, 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 I just think Fleck is the one. Like, like we said, I think we said last season when we when we were dishing our player of the season awards out. I think Fleck is the one that drives us forward. And he's the one that dictates the tempo we play at. He's normally the, the first one to be pressing from the midfield and harrying going past people, committing people. I just think he's he's everything 
Flex basically the embodiment of everything we're missing at the minute in one place. Yeah, I agree. I think it, it, it raises another point as well. If we can get him fit and keep him fit, keep keep him fit, easy for you to say, that consistency of selection is probably what I think will drag us out of it ultimately. Because I think we're good enough. I do think that the system's good enough. I think the players are good enough. We're missing a little bit of look like we've touched on, but the consistency is the biggest problem. Get that consistency back in the starting lineup, at least in the in the midfield three and the defence. Then I think we'll be all right. Yeah, and I think it, what is interesting is next question that comes is from uh, Trey the Blade. Good lad. He's asked a very easy question. He's asked two questions. The greedy sod. First one: Who would win in a fight between Billy Tightshirt and the Sharp? I think we all would agree, Billy. Uh, but can I just, can I make an observation on that? That. We, we, I'm sure a lot of listeners probably must have heard the infamous Paul Sykes story. Paul Sykes. <laughs> now, let's be honest, Billy Whitehurst is the closest footballer you could get to a Paul Sykes character, isn't he? So yep. I think that, for me, says Billy, Billy wins a fight with a shark, you know, so regardless. Billy punch, what, what, what is it? You punch him in the fucking ear and they swim off? Yeah. <laughs> as soon as I read that tweet at the weekend, I thought, Paul Sykes. <laughs> Anybody's not seen the Paul Sykes interview yet? Well, he's sat on his back garden talking about punching a shark. Google it. It's hilarious. Brilliant. Is that in with Tash? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I've seen it. Yeah, it's really Cream cool. box. He was a boxer for a while, wasn't he? And bare, bare yeah. knuckle and professional knuckle. for a bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what was Trey's other question? He said he got two. I know I'm laughing to myself. What realistic signing do you reckon we could get in January? One centre-back, one centre-mid. Budget probably about ten million. I personally think if we cut adrift and it looks like we're getting relegated, we won't bring anyone in. Um, Likely so, I would say. Uh, unless it's unless it's a ridiculously good deal for the club. Um, in terms of ten million, I think the amount that's available will depend on the circumstance. I'm not suggesting we'll have fifty, sixty, but I think if there were two. 10 to 15 million pound players that could make an impact on our first 11, there's a chance they'll come in. Um, Dan, is there anyone that you like the sound of or would like us to bring in? Or I mean, we're a bit way out from January is actually only six weeks away. January is not that far away, is it? Let's be fair. Um, I'm struggling to pick an actual player out. I mean, I've obviously like someone like David Brooks. Someone in that mould. I know that's, I mean, that's a fairly flippant comment to say, you know, a, a midfielder who can go past people, play a ball, score goals. We don't like one of them, but the 30, 40, 50 million bucks. Just someone who can do something a bit different. I don't know who that is, but a player who can, like the game on Saturday, sorry, sorry Sunday, it's a nip and tuck 50-50 game that we've lost 1-0. A game-changing midfielder in there, a creative midfielder who can do something out of nothing, could have turned that into a a one-one or a two-one or a one-nil to us. So that that to me would be the position. As for who the player is, I don't know. You'd be looking at thirty, forty million for one of those, aren't you? That's the trouble. Yeah, and at I this level, um, and if we're saying ten million, we're not in that market. And if if we're no. saying we're spending ten, twenty million, you're going down to the championship and gambling again, aren't you? Yeah. Unless, I mean, obviously we've still got another Premier League loan, haven't we? We've still got another Premier yeah. League loan, unless there's a, you know, an outstanding youngster or, you know, whether Arsenal will be prepared to sub- subsidise Meza Ozil's wages and, and let him come and play for us for half a season. Yeah, but, 
maybe there is a youngster in Man United or Chelsea's reserves that, that could come and do something for a second half of the season. I don't know. I think it's a difficult one, I think, because until you know what what waters you're fishing in as such, um, it's, a, it's a difficult to judge. And, you know, if, if we think, you know, it depends where the money's where the money is and what's being spent. Is it Are we just spending the money that's generated in the club or are we actually seeing ex- investment from the Prince in, in the club and, and the, you know, consolidating where we are? I don't think that's going to happen. I think any money we spend will be, will be money that we've created ourselves. I'm hoping that doesn't mean that, that we create money by somebody going. I don't think... And so we've not got, other than players we desperately wouldn't want to lose, there's not much else you could see generating any money, is there? No, not really. Um, it's, it's a tough one. I like the idea that was it was only mentioned on one new side, but I think if Burnley were in a contract predicament with Jack Cork, in a similar way to we are with Lundstrom, I think that could work very nicely. I think Jack Cork could be a tidy little player. What is he? I'm not really sure what kind of player he is. I know box he's the box. Is he? Decent midfielder. Probably got not as powerful as Lundstrom, a bit neater, I'd say. Uh, I think in the current, he, he, he could fit in. But again, he, you are slightly in territory with, well, he'd probably be an upgrade on Norwood. Um, but he's, he's the wrong side of 30. Player I really like in that advanced position Dan talked about, uh, and I said when the last window closed was Jed Wallace, and people say, oh, he's he's a winger. If you watch any of his stuff on YouTube, and I put a video on my personal Twitter about Jed Wallace, a lot of his goals remind me of goals that Duffy scored for United. Speculative errors outside the box. Also, similar to Lundstrom, arriving late into the box for pullbacks and things like that. Where's he? Millwall? Millwall, yeah. yeah. He scored tonight against Reading. Where's, um, sorry, I know you said about, about Jed Wallace. Where's Yotta now? Uh, abroad, I want to say. On low. Where's Steve Agnew? That's what we need. <laughs> Talking about midfielders breaking late into the box. Steve Agnew. Well, I think, yeah, I think Yotta went abroad because there were obviously some sort of scrap involving him and someone went at Villa and what about someone like Minamino at Liverpool that's not a bad shout I'm just laughing about a potential song we could sing but I'm not going to say it it's not the worst I've done this week. Uh, that's not a bad Don's yeah. drinking Coke the Road, by the way, by the pint, if you've not I noticed. Know. There are only two glasses <laughs> left in from last night. That Minamino's not a bad shout. And again, it comes back to, you know, what the wager situation is and the subsidisation, doesn't it, to a large extent, I think. But In that, it, Dan, Dan James... Yeah. He's a winger, though. I thought about Dan James, but I don't think he's quite the, the number 10. He's more a winger, isn't he, I think? I won't mind him and McBurney playing up front together now because they used to rip it up at Swansea. And it's, it's maybe something like that, like getting somebody in who has a good relationship on the field with someone we've got. I don't know. Good question, um, Trey. Because we'll just to say, Jot, Jot is at Alaves. 
Right, okay. Replaced Ollie Burke at right back. It'll <laughs> oh, be, be ruined then. I just find it's just, and, and I want Burke to do well, but the fact he was playing right back for Alves last season and people really feel he can change things for us. I, I, I love your faith because I'm just, I'm not convinced. But Trey, great question and great debate. But we'll be talking about transfers a lot in the next month, I imagine. Um, Phil Jackson, from out wide, quality of ball into the box, we're poor. Should this dictate us move into a Duffy-esque formation? Wing-backs not always aiming for the byline, more supporting Didzy, creating behind the front two with Ollie and Ollie Norwood and Sander more protective. If so, flex the most at risk of missing out. I think that is another formation question. I think what we saw at the weekend personally with Norwood and Fleck allowing for that double back from the full back will create more chances. In terms of a Duffy S formation, we haven't got anyone to play there. And McGoldrick probably, I don't know if it's the answer. I mean, it couldn't be any worse. But... McGoldrick's got the ability to do it. He has got the ability. So he got the legs. Uh, it, this is part of the thing. If you remember, not so much last season, but the season we went up, he, you'd quite often see him at the left back spot chasing back and chasing a winger back. And then the next minute he's, he's sprinting 70 yards down the pitch. He doesn't seem to be doing that as much. It might just be that I'm missing it because I'm not in the ground and I can't see it. But he doesn't seem to be doing that much work like he used to a couple of seasons ago. So is it his age catching up with him and he's just still got his ability and not that work rate? I don't know. I'm not sure. And for, and for me, I any formation... Say Duffy didn't really work that hard. No. But for me, any formation that incorporates that, we can't lose flack out of it. I mean, a lot of players in that role don't, aren't known for the work rate, are they? You get the odd one that, that really puts a shift in, but a lot of players in that role are a little bit more in and out of the game and, and that's, that's where the... That's where the benefit is because they don't do the tracking back, which leaves them further up to exploit. It's why they're known as a luxury player, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But I'd argue which, we're not doing which, a great. Ironically, that question was from Phil Jackson, who was the ultimate luxury player. Having <laughs> <laughs> played, having known Phil for twenty odd years and played football with him for many of those, he was the ultimate luxury player. I would say is we talk about work rate as well. There, I don't think we see we're not seeing a great deal of it anyway at the minute. So, is it really an issue? No, you know. We're not, we're not doing that, as we said at the start, we're not doing that chasing down and that harrying. So, you know, that's part of that work rate we, we'd want to see up front. So, <laughs> you know, different, different angle on it. Next question has come from uh, Mr. Lee Connor, a friend of mine, and he put, similarly discussed with Mr. John uh, last night, if you went down, which players do you think we'd lose? More of a discussion point around who would attract interest. I think the only one we'd be in danger of losing off the bat would be Berger at this at this current stage. I Egan. don't think so. Egan, Egan. Fleck, O'Connell, possibly even Ramsdale. I think I think we could lose five or six. I I, I all I would say to you is let's Brewster. Go. I would imagine Brewster would be. Yeah. That might be his own. That might be his, of his own doing. He might want to. I not the championship. Like, apart, like, look at Bournemouth. Who Bournemouth lost? Ake and, and Wilson. Ramsdale. And Ramsdale. You'd say... Fraser. Fraser's contract looked that, wasn't it? Yeah, Fraser let his contract, right? He would go yeah. anywhere. 
Yeah. But, you've, but you've, lost a, you've lost the spine of a team there. That's yeah, five players. You've, you've, lost, you've lost your goalkeeper, your best centre-half and your best striker. Who Norwich lost? God, yeah, but that's not, that was Norwich's game plan, wasn't it? That was always their intention. Nor- it, Norwich's model is to be within the top 20... 23 teams. No. In, uh, 26 teams, sorry. They, they, teams, sorry yeah. yeah. they lost, what's his name, didn't they, to Everton? Godfrey and Lewis from Newcastle. Yeah. Yep. Is Aaron still there? Did you hear uh, that stat, by the way, talking about Norwich, about Timo Pukki today? No. Last, last night is the first time in the last eight years that he's not scored with his first shot of the season. Okay. Some stat, that, isn't it? Not bad for somebody who was putting Norwich a bit of a journeyman as well. Uh, I, I, I do, I do, th- I do worry if we went down, there would be. Like I, said, I mean, I think you can, if he stays fit, you can probably include Moose in that. I was just about to say, Moose. We could you're get looking, you're looking then at best case three or four, worst case six or seven, which is which suddenly makes it a complete rebuild job. And that's testament to what we've done. That's te- you know we 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 lose Egan, but we bought him for four million. We might lose him for thirty. But you've still got to replace him with that, you know, with that sort of money. So I think I think we'd we'd, we'd have we'd have a fight in our hands with a lot of players to be honest to keep them. I I I just don't feel like that. But it's interesting that we do disagree on it. Um, I think I, I think the only one guarantees Berger. A lot of the other players mentioned have got quite long contracts, so we would be able to command quite hefty fees for them. Um, I'm just thinking about on current form as well. I mean, you think about what Flake O'Connell and Egan particularly can do at this level. But, yeah, I don't know. Because, yeah, I don't know. But I, I don't know how, at the moment, how much interest would be in some of our players. But maybe I'm wrong. I think we'd be surprised. I think we'd be surprised. Even though we're not playing as well this season, they'll still carry weight from what we did last season and how we've got it. Yeah. And do you think the reaction of what you three have said there probably does play into the fact that maybe um, we do need to, as we've tried to do on the pod in the past, but we need to persevere with these players a bit longer and show them the respect because they're, for all intents and purposes, proper Premier League players that other clubs would be lucky to have. And I think we forget that sometimes because they've been on that journey with us. Do we include um, Lundstrom in the players that we'll lose? Yeah, well, he's he's our Ryan Fraser, isn't he? he? He's a lost cause already, so I'm not even thinking about him. He's gone in my eyes. So he's yeah. dead to you, mate. It sounds like it. Dead to me. <laughs> I mean, we've done a lot to mention him. I found that sub on Saturday was like a kick in the bollocks. I didn't see it happen, and then I just saw him close up. I um, saw so him doing step overs in middle at pitch and slowing play down. And I'm oh God, like, no. And I just, the people I feel sorry for in that situation are Burke, Osborne, Sharp, whoever's on the bench actually. Just screaming out for Ollie Burke on Sunday. Screaming out yeah, for I've been him. in the last two games, Phil. I mean, like, it's, it's, it's been really apparent that, well, is he carrying a knock? Because. He came went back up from Scotland injured, didn't he? But he's been yeah. on the bench every game. So Sharp wasn't on the bench and Burke was. And, and oh. Wilder said that was tactical. I mean, I mean, I saw people saying, why is Lundstrom on, on the bench and Sharp not? 
I mean, that's a fairly the answer is fairly obvious. That one's a midfielder, one's a striker, and we had yeah. two strikers on the bench. That's a, a fairly obvious answer to that. Yeah. I think we should get Rodwell on. I'm joking. Can we, not get, can we not get Ravon Morrison back? Fucking okay, irony! Irony is he would do that number ten job. But anyway, well, I mean, I think that was the idea, wasn't it? When, when we yeah, brought him yeah. in, it was a bit of a punt to see if he could. Uh, in, you know. in the midst of all these questions, anyway, uh, we had a individual called Alexa Boothy, uh, Alexa Boothy with an E five, who is apparently always high and horny. The girl next door. For the only fan, check out website below. Jewel emoji. So she's followed us. So. Tell you what, if she, if she's a, if she's a regular listener to this, she's not gonna be fucking high and horny for long, is she? <laughs> it, it, we've been it last few weeks. I don't know about drooling. She might be dribbling if she's asleep. <laughs> um, Trey the Blade got back in touch because obviously he fancied. Wanted, he, he loves us. Bless him. And he wants to know if we did sign this mythical creative midfielder, who does he place out of flight, Norwood and Berger? When Norwood is on form, his long passes get us out of the pitch in good positions, and I can't see Fleck or Berger being dropped. No, but if we sign a creative midfielder, that's up for Chris Wilder. In my opinion, that's up for Chris Wilder to make the decision. Because What was the format? A, a, a genuine question, refresh my memory. So when Duffy was playing, we had his back three, we had his wing backs. Norwood yep. played. Yep. Fleck played. Oh, okay, right. Norwood and Fleck played. Like a, yeah, with Duffy in front of them too. So we didn't have a we didn't have the burger wide right roll and Fleck wide left roll. We went yeah. we went from that we went from from like a, a, a two sitters and a and a, a kind of attacking midfielder to like a, a what they call the flat three, didn't we? So there's there's your answer then. If if that's the way that we're going to go and we get a number ten, the obvious one to drop out is probably Norwood. You play Berger and Fleck and, and a number 10 in front of them two. I if we're going to go back to that. In the championship season towards the end when games became a lot harder and obviously in the Premier League, I think there was a conscious move to give the defence maybe a bit more protection. Mm. Uh, Last season, yeah. yeah. I, I, even towards the end of... If you think about what the... like. Remember who played in midfield quite a lot towards the end of when we got promoted? Bash was in midfield. I think he was playing, weren't he? Uh, Craney was playing right at back three quite a lot. Um, in that running, Craney played in all the big games. Yeah. Like Craney played West Brom away. Craney played Forest at home. Uh, Hull away. All those games. And it's, it's, it's interesting that I think there was a genuine move to be a bit more conservative. Also, what's so baffling about this whole Lundstrom thing, it was only towards the end of the championship season he kept coming off the bench and people speculating, oh, it was wild again him a thank you, so he got a medal. Because he hardly played in that second season. And yeah. Anyway, I digress. I don't know, Trey, but I'm sure Chris will have the answer. I'm, I'm concerned we've gone from talking about two sitters and attacking midfielder to two sitters and McBurney. Because that's what he's... Generally missing a match. <laughs> I'm not here all week. See you. Right. Um, Paddy O'Begley. When cowardly C-U-N-T, Ainsworth rocks up at the pig ground, do you think he would have the bollocks to seek out Dane Whitehouse and grovel before him? Personally, I think C-U-N-T is like him, never change. 
Thanks for that one, Paddy. Um, I mean, we all dislike Gareth Ainsworth an immense amount. No discredit in what he's done at Wigan. But I was more happy for Akin Fenwar than Ainsworth. Um, Dane Whitehouse won't go anywhere near Hillsborough on that day. And I think Gareth Ainsworth, if anyone says Dane near him now, runs. Because the rumour that when that we played them in the reverse fixture that season, didn't, they, didn't Sid's dad get on the bus and confront Ainsworth? Yeah. Oh, rumour is it? I think, I think Whitehouse has confirmed in that interview he's done with, with Danny Hall this week. That his dad, I don't know if he actually got on the bus or just tried to get on the bus, but there was definitely aggressive movement towards the bus, shall we say. The bus was infiltrated, or attempted yeah. to infiltrate, <laughs> uh, busted. Um, see, that was. Did you, you see the photo? Did, you see, did anyone see the photo in the, in the interview that, that was in the star? There's a still of the tattle. It's one of them that you, you look at it and it, it, it kind of makes you it kind of makes you funny makes makes back of your leg feel funny. Uh, I don't I don't even want to think about it. I think in answer to the question, in my point of view, is once a coward, always a coward. And yeah, Gareth Sainz a coward. That's a good way to sum it up, I think. Yeah, um, Steve, we're all blades, aren't we? Eighteen eighty nine. Talking of mythical players, what's happened to Bogle? Uh, we might start a weekly feature where we report sightings of him. But actually, in one of our WhatsApp groups, uh, friend of the pod, Kirsty with an STI, not actually a transmitted disease, just how her name's spelled. Um, she, her, her, uh, her friend received a knock on the door late at night that Jaden uh, had a PlayStation 5 for Jaden last week. And it turned out it was for Mr. Bogle. The address was slightly wrong. So he is alive and he has a PS5. Uh, tune in next week to see what he's been up to. But I have no idea where he is. It's it's baffling. I'm not suggesting Baldock's dropped. It just seems weird because out of, the, out of him and Lowe, he was the one that cost us about seven, eight million quid. Yeah, the- that's the weird thing, isn't it? It was like Lowe was like a, a, a make weight in the deal for for bringing Bogle and, and Bogle's nowhere near the site. It's just really, like you say, I, I'm no, I don't think anybody's asking for Baldock to be dropped because he's probably been our most consistent player this season, I would say. Yeah, well, I would say. That's so. good game, yeah, I think at the start when we thought, you know, when Baldock wasn't crossing the ball, we were saying, hey, you know, getting Bogle, at least you want to sense the impression there was some sort of pressure on Baldock to perform when he was probably not, like I say, in the attacking sense, not delivering earlier in the season. But maybe maybe we should be asking listeners if you if you see Jaden Bogle anywhere, report in, and we'll we'll report back next week. If not, we'll we just make something evidence. We don't want it to turn into like purple Aki though, and like people taking random photos of him and then him getting upset, <laughs> or just of random people that look a bit like him. That could be even better. <laughs> <laughs> we need a jingle. Or, or books put together where you've got a thousand a photo of a thousand people that all look like Jaden Bogle and you've got to pick out which one's him like where's Jaden <laughs> you're wearing a red and white woolly hat yeah red and white woolly hat and glasses <laughs> oh, dear. you can see a bit of Four Blades merchandise on the uh, horizon <laughs> watch this space stocking fellas galore um, anyway boys I enjoyed listening having a bit of interaction with listeners and we might do that again in a few weeks because uh, if, if the West Ham gets anything to go by the football certainly not going to improve we'll be back in a minute to talk about a real legend though
Steve trainers, Joe. What are these? No, mate, I've had them for years. Just got them back from being cleaned. Look really good, don't they? Yeah, really? Is that a thing? Honestly, they look new, mate. They look class. Yeah, it's a thing. Really reasonable, too. Had them done at this place called Glistening Kicks. They're in Sheffield. Fe- fellas are blade, too. Oh, nice one. That saves buying new ones, doesn't it? How do I find them? I've got a few pairs I need looking at myself. Absolutely. Save, save me as someone who's got a bit of a trader page. An absolute fortune. You can get them on social media like most things these days. They're on Twitter at Glistening Kicks and Instagram at Glistening underscore Kicks. Or they have a website, www.glisteningkicks.co.uk. Give them a shout. The process is dead easy. They collect them safely and then drop them back off with you. And if you take them round yourself, that process could be even quicker. Um, they look, feel, and smell like new. And it's I'm, I'm absolutely chuffed. And I'm already looking at what pairs I'm going to take down um, next to have him look out for us. Nice one. Cheers for that. I'm going to get on to them straight away. What was their industry again? At glistening underscore kicks. That's the one. Really good service and I couldn't recommend it enough to any blades. Brilliant. Nice one. Other blades. Welcome back everyone to, to part three. Um, and it's quite appropriate we're, re- we're recording tonight um, when... Uh, we've had a, uh, some sad news in the world of football uh, and rather than do a Hall of Fame, we thought we'd discuss a player who almost signed for United and, and I think United have referenced that in a, in a tweet tonight. Um, but a player who's probably divides opinion more than any, any footballer that's ever lived. Um, some regard him as the greatest player ever to play the game. Some regard him as a, a cheat and a cad and a bounder. Um, Diego Maradona. Um, from my point of view, when I was younger, I couldn't stand him. Because when I was, what, 11 years old, he scored against us in Mexico. I hated him. And then as I kind of got older and mellowed, I realised what an amazing footballer he was, what a, what a talent, what a maverick he was. Um, and probably we're going to spend a few minutes just, just, talking, about, just talking about Diego Maradona, really, and what, what our thoughts of him are. I, I'd share that thought as an 11-year-old, similar to you, you know. He, he, the hand of God goal what he did afterwards was tremendous but it paled into insignificance at that point um, it's amazing how over time as you get older you you reflect more on the other parts of that player you probably actually <laughs> not respect but love the fact that he, he lived his life and still did what he did you could argue he still wasted some talent in that but ultimately you know you end up on his side rather than Peter Shilton's over time which is an, an interesting way to go um, but <laughs> I think I think the other thing for me is you look back and it's some of the footage I've kind of watched since I got back this evening. He was playing in a time when everyone tried taking his legs. It was like watching Sunday League defenders yeah. stopping that quality player who's in the opposition side. I mean, they were hacking him, you know, against smashing against uh, Bulgaria, against Belgium, against England. Even England in that game, you know, were trying to kick lumps out of him. Yeah. And he just kept on going. And he was, he was just... He just got that momentum and he, his, his diminutive size. He just rolled around the rolled not not rolled on the floor, but literally just rolled around the pitch with ease. Just that low centre of gravity. Yeah. You know, it's it's really funny for me because I'm I think I was seven in '86 uh, when the World Cup was on, and I, I can still remember the the second goal now. 
I can't, obviously I knew that he'd done wrong with the first bit. At that age, I was a little bit more naive to what he'd done and it was just, all right, he's, he's unballed it and it's been given and it didn't really bother me. But I can remember being mesmerised by that second goal. The way that he just bounced off people and rolled round them and just glided across the pitch. He just, I honestly think he was the person that sparked my love of football. I really do. Because of the way that he basically dragged his country to win the World Cup. And I don't think that's happened certainly since. Not one player being that much better than anybody else. Well, I mean, he did it with he did it with his country. So we dragged, and dragged Argentina and, and he dragged Napoli to I think Napoli have won three major trophies in their entire career. All they were which, on the verge of going down. They were going to get relegated yeah. when he went there. Mm. If if people that are listening to this, if you've not seen the documentary, the Diego Maradona the Asif Kapadia one. You just invest Amazing. two and a half hours of your life because you'll not regret it. It's absolutely incredible. It's, it's essentially like Messi signing for us at the minute and us winning the title two seasons on the trot and a, and a couple of cups thrown in. That, He's absolutely that's... worshipped in Naples, isn't he? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I was in I was in Milan a few years ago for work, and I got in a taxi and I ended up talking to the taxi driver about football. And he was uh, he was uh, Neapolitan, uh, and he basically the second I said Maradona, he just he just he almost exploded. Couldn't shut him up, and we had I think we had about forty five minutes in the taxi, forty minutes of which was him just waxing lyrical about Maradona. And if you look at even four years on in Italia ninety, he got to the I mean. It, it was a prosaic quality, you know, the quality of football in that World Cup was, wasn't the greatest. In fact, I remember watching that first game against Cameroon and, and dying for, you know, Cameroon thinking, knock Argentina out for me. You know, it was that we, we hated Argentina. But actually the one, yeah, to my mind, he was the player who, again, he drags them through. He was the, the one bit of quality, the captain, the leader. Um, arguably a worse side. Arguably yeah, a worse yeah. side than one in 86. Yeah. And him, basically... Him and, to a lesser extent, Kanija dragged them through, dragged them to the final. Yeah, totally dragged them single-handedly to the final. And then '94, we had we had the what the hell's he doing? I think he's roaring to the camera. The, um, the video I tweeted earlier that the the Napoli warm-up. It's brilliant with, with, with the Opus "Life Is Life" playing in the background. Yeah, yeah. And and he's just it's the shoelaces undone. It's the fact that he's probably. Half a bag deep, uh, like he just, he just completely and utterly, it's just joyous to watch. It's a man who is just, he, like you see, like the word in football, character gets like thrown around too much. That is the greatest player in the world. He don't even tie his boots to go out, out in there to do a war, and he's got the entire stadium transfixed on it before the games even started and you know you watch stuff like the fantastic last dance documentary on Netflix about I'm not a massive basketball fan but you know Jordan and people like are true icons of the sport I wouldn't say Michael Jordan was a character in the same way someone like Diego Maradona is like, and and like you say that, that, doc, that documentary and just just it, it, like a, a true enigma in like He's, obviously, the game's moved on, but like you say, the way he performed at, at like that highest level in a different time, and what's a really interesting one, 
He's, he's, he's passed away on the same day George Best did. Yeah, 15 years to the day, isn't it? Which is, which is a bizarre... Yeah, turn of events. Do you know what? You, talk, you touched on the drug taking there, John, and in no way am I condoning it in what any way whatsoever, but I almost liked his didn't-give-a-fuck attitude, the fact he was so brazen about it. There's, there's footage of him doing it on the pitch, for Christ's sake. There's physios coming on and giving him some on the pitch. That picture from World Cup a couple of years ago where he's patting the the, uh, the glass screen in front of him and obviously there's white powder all over his hands. It's just so bright, so brazen about the way that he was. He didn't care. I mean, the, the video on the plane when he, when he had the shot glass balanced on his elbow, putting yeah. it into his mouth and then cheers and you look on the little tray table in front of him and there's just line after line after line lined up on this, and, on this table. And like, the, the thing is, I'm not suggesting to be like an iconic sports person you should take drugs. And obviously the 80s were very different to the 90s and the 90s different to the noughties and noughties were very different to now. But it, like... But, but that's what I mean, John. I'm not condoning it at all. No, it's the no, attitude of, I don't give a shit. And Today the, footballers have seen too clinical. No one seems to have got that brazenness to just go and be a character you look at that video of the mass brawl for Barcelona like you said yeah. the video of him warming up and that that brawl where I mean this is a guy of five foot five by four I think he was five, five four, four five throwing punches and roundhouses for Jesus honestly he's just he's absolutely swinging for the fences doesn't give a fuck at 19 at that point as well I think he yeah. was 19 or 20 monkeys. and he's got you know he's got big Spanish centre halves and big Spanish because you know Spanish league were a a real kickers league in them days. I think, uh, what's the guy's name? Is it Goy Kachir, the butcher? Goy Kachir. Of Bilbao. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Still, I think he's still got, I think he's got the boot that he, that he broke Maradona's leg in, mounted on top of his TV in a glass case. This is what he was up against. But he doesn't have a monkeys. Just goes wading in. Don't care less. And, and you know what, it's like I say, it's that, it's that wading in. It's, it's his, I saw the story earlier of um, when he met Pope John Paul II at the Vatican. And uh, they started talking about Maradona. Said I start arguing with him because he's talking about uh, you know Pope saying the church is worried about young children and the poor children. And Maradona saying, "Have a look at your ceiling, amigo. <laughs> Gold ceiling <laughs> in the Vatican." Yeah. You know, it didn't, didn't matter who he was or what what level he was dealing with. He just held his own. Yeah, massively. And and we t- we talk about the greatest footballers ever, and I think a lot of that's emotional to your own emotive about how you you feel about it yourself. Hmm. For me, I think he's the greatest footballer of my lifetime, purely because not only, I think, ability-wise, I think he's certainly up there with Messi, whether he's as good as Messi or, or Ronaldo is a different debate, but he did it in a different era with bad pitchers, with defenders kicking the shit out of him, without the clinicalness of football as it is now, and he did it with a smile on his face, and he dragged Napoli to two Scudettos and his country to a World Cup. For me, that qualifies him as being the best player in my lifetime. I couldn't, couldn't, couldn't argue with one word of what you've just said there. Absolutely, for me, he's, he's, he's the greatest of all time for me. Neither could I. I've not seen anyone better. And, I, and obviously, I'm a bit younger than you, gents, but I do feel, to go back to that character that character thing and you look at iconic characters and if if you're fed up with Sheffield United on Saturday night sit down and watch some Diego Maradona 
on YouTube because that will be a better, more enjoyable two hours. And uh, we emphasise any love of football you've got than probably what we're going to serve up. And it's very, very, um, very strange to put a random player who's died in the Hall of Fame, I suppose. But it would be wrong for us to not to not uh, to not mark it because uh, as as a player today, we'd not spoke before the pod. I've gone on all your individual Twitters. You've all put something out there about what a great player and your memories of seeing these young players when you're younger. But just, just as a little flip reverse and, and a kind of uh, a sliding doors thing, what happens if Maradona actually signs for us? We get him out of Buenos Aires, we pay off the Argentinian government, whatever it is, we pay the 400 grand transfer fee. How does, how does Maradona's career in Sheffield United's history look different than a 17-year-old <laughs> John Maradona? Harry Hasland does a game out of Romeo and Juliet's. So what, what year was it? So I'm confused about that. <laughs> Sorry, I was talking when I, said, when I heard what he said in. Um, <laughs> what, um, what year was it? Uh, it was 79. 78, 78. It was 78. So it, went to 79. Yeah, it was. It was 17. Right. So, yeah. so it was before we went. Before we went into third division, then fourth division. Ultimately, obviously. Yeah. Oh, Christ, I don't know. We signed Sabella instead, didn't we? Who was a remarkable talent too. Yeah, but I'm, I mean, what I'm, what I'm more. Thinking, I'm not saying it was as good, but <laughs> yeah, if he comes to United and, and does well and, and gets us up, and then. The money, you know, do we reinvest the money? What did we get? What did he go to? Uh, what sort of transfer fees did he go to Barcelona for? Gosh, for that time, it's hard to say now. Trying to think back, put it, th- put it this way: transfer more th- fees as influential then as what they are now. I don't know. Possibly yeah. not. It was just just a thought as to how his career might have gone. I mean, you know. But but the other side the other side of that is we could have really kind of. Um, Depreciate his value by sticking him alongside Lendergoey and <laughs> John Cut, John Cutbush and Les Tibbet. Yeah, the name but three. So you know he he, he might have gone. You know we, we might not have actually. Yeah, got we the might best not be talking about Diego Maradona today if he ever played for us. He, uh, <laughs> he, he went to Barcelona in 1982 for five million pounds. Wow, it was a world record. Wow. Yeah. What did he go to Napoli for? Just out of interest. How much? Yeah. Uh, 6.9 million 7 million quid wow you, you know what it's about to think you'd flip it onto to modern day a kid like that and uh, Messi's a great example of it what is a player like that at that age worth nowadays it's frightening but it comes and it comes back to what we're saying you know we're, we're thinking spending 20 millions guaranteeing as a player who's going to light up the Premier League yeah 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 brings it brings it about a circle I still no. wonder. You never know. Savella might have become the greatest player in the world with a different move, and uh, we might have destroyed. <laughs> we might have destroyed Maradona by trying to get him to feed. Uh, Alex Savella could have ended up being a cokehead if it weren't for the fact he came to Sheffield. Sheffield you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that just that just seemed it just seemed appropriate. That obviously we you know we, we kind of marked his, his passing as one of or the greatest footballer that uh, the world's ever seen, depending on your... Uh, Absolutely. You can't have a football view. podcast and not recognise that. No. You know, whatever, you, whatever you, your opinions of him are as a person, um, if you don't appreciate the, the, the player that Diego Maradona was, then I would suggest that football's possibly not a game for you. 
And I just want one thing I would say on that is I was worried where John was going when he said if you want to do something apart from watch the match on Saturday night, I did wonder if he was going to say strictly come dancing, to be honest, but thank you. Married on a docu. Yeah, I've been enjoying it quite a bit this year. <laughs> I can't think why. Uh, I'm not allowed in the pub on a Saturday evening, am I? So yeah. <laughs> I'd normally just be in the boozer. So I'm in and I'm, you know, auditioning for adulthood. It's quite interesting. I think I'm doing okay, but. In all seriousness, uh, Maradona, absolute legend, icon, and in character. And like I say, it does just get branded around far too often. But in this case, it's completely necessary to be described that way. The game on Saturday, boys, we've not done it. To end on, quick prediction. Are we going to turn it round, Ian? I'm going on Skybet and putting on money on Callum Robinson to score. So I'm, I'm not feeling my best. Let's leave it at that. Dan? 3-1 United. Callum Robinson to obviously get one, nailed on. Um, 3-1 United. And that's purely because if we don't do it Saturday, I'm not sure we'll ever do it. Phil? I'm really loath to give a prediction because I'm not even sure I'm going to watch it. Um, and I might watch the Maradon documentary instead. Um, That's the theme tune, isn't it? Oh, sorry. Again. <laughs> uh, I think it'll be a draw. 1-1. One, one. John? I think we'll win. Um, I just... We have to. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's necessity. Yeah. We're like, you know, I joked a couple of weeks ago, I don't want to finish the pod on a negative, but joked a couple of weeks ago that we could lose all five of these games. If we don't win on Saturday or don't get something on Saturday, fucking hell, I worry. I really do. You're kind of playing fast and loose with the word joked there. Yeah, well, true. But boys, it's been good to get together. Uh, we were loath to do it, but I feel like we've ended up having a laugh and we hope anyone who's listened to it has as well. Being yeah, here. just just to, sorry, John, just to f- cut across you a little bit, I kind of feel like I finished what I was going to say on a negative there, but to, this has really cheered me up, actually. Not just talking about Maradona but just having a bit of a laugh for an hour or so I've been a bit down about football the last few days and it's cheered me up so thank you fellas yeah Uh, and the thing is what we have to remember in all this is we all do still love football maybe not love football in its current guise but we we do love the game and despite the fact that they make us pull our hair out we still love uh, love the blades and on Saturday let's hope they make us love them even more so we end up on the classic uh, toast boys Hold the blades. Hold the blades. Hold the blades. If you're going to a pub in Ireland, you have to have a song. And if you don't have a song, you may as well not put the over on. I've changed the Murray, by the way. So if anybody wants to find me Murray, right. Well, I'd say Peroni as well. <laughs> <laughs>